your Bibles. Uh, it's 1025, page 1025. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pauline. Please be seated, everybody. I've got to be honest, over the last few weeks um, at Trinity, we've reverted back to the uh, lectionary for Advent. Um, So we've been focusing on John the Baptist preparing the way for light in the darkness, shouting repent and teaching about salvation. I love it. Come Christmas Eve, my mind is set towards turning towards the Christmas story. Uh, This morning at Trinity, the preaching is set in the Gospel of Luke as Gabriel approaches Mary and is instructed that she will have a son. His name will be Jesus. And he will be the coming Messiah, the one that Israel has been waiting for. And of course, he changes the course of history. Yet here we are today talking about the road to Jerusalem, only a few weeks away from crucifixion. The title Steve gives today is to serve and give his life. Actually, without the bigger picture, all the events that lead up to the resurrection, Christmas would be pretty irrelevant if all this had not happened. We wouldn't be here in this building today. We wouldn't even be running around like headless chickens preparing for tomorrow. In a sense, the all of Jesus' life, even right back at the Nativity, was a journey to the cross. The incarnation was God, of course, coming in flesh, teaching through the gospel message. Even up to today's passages, Jesus is still on his journey towards Jerusalem with the death and resurrection. So today's title may be to serve and give his life, but I just want to turn that around a little bit because Jesus gave his whole life to serve and he still does that through the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at today's passage. And for a moment, I want us to think about pride. Pride is something 
that we all struggle with. It was pride that caused the angel Lucifer to rebel against God and be kicked out of heaven to become the devil. Pride is what caused Adam and Eve to want to become like God. So they disobeyed him and took uh, fruit from the tree that they were commanded not to eat. Pride causes all of us to sin in many ways every day. I don't know about you, but I always think I should have the biggest piece of cake or the biggest slice of pizza. We think we should get the best grade. We think our job is better than any other people's jobs. We want people to notice how well-dressed we are or how funny we are or how wise we are. Pride turns us inwards so that we don't see all the needs of the people around us. So we don't really know how to serve them. Pride is a major issue in all of our lives. And we're all called to put our pride to death if Jesus Christ is our saviour and our Lord. We're called to live with humility instead of pride, serving others and thinking of their needs before our own. And praise God that our saviour Jesus is our perfect example of humility and service. In today's passage, Jesus confronts the disciples' pride and shows how to be a humble servant, just like he is. Mark 10.35 says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that's not Zebedee from the Magic Roundabout, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can you imagine walking up to Jesus and saying this? James and John are fairly dripping with pride out there at this moment as they saunter up to Jesus and ask him to do whatever they want, in, what, uh, they want for them. Now, I would like to say that we never do what James and John did here, but have you ever come to Jesus in prayer and treated him like your magic genie, almost? You know the story of Aladdin and the magic lamp. It would rub the lamp and the genie would appear. What do you want, the genie says. Aladdin would tell the genie what he wanted and the genie would give them everything that they wanted. The genie was a slave to Aladdin's wishes. And I sometimes wonder if we treat Jesus or God the Father as our cosmic genie who exists for our wish fulfilment. I think we've all done this at times in our lives. And this itself is the very heart of pride. Pride is setting ourselves up as God and treating everyone else as our slaves who exist to do our bidding. And may God forgive us our pride. May God forgive us for treating him as someone who exists to do our bidding and to give us what we want. We need to have pride put to death. And this happens as we acknowledge that there's one God who exists as Father, Son and Holy Spirit and we exist for him. We exist to do God's will, to build Jesus' gospel kingdom and to bring his glory. The truth actually brings us back to reality and pride is put to death and is replaced with humility as we take our rightful place underneath the sovereign authority of King Jesus. James and John came to Jesus in pride, wanting him to give what they asked for. Now, Jesus could have instantly rebuked them for their pride, but he didn't. In Mark 10, 36, 37, it says, What do you want me to do? He asks. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. It would seem from James and John's attitude that they don't really understand who Jesus is. 
But as we look at their next comment to Jesus, we see that they actually did understand Jesus, that they knew that Jesus was the Messiah and that he will reign in glory one day. And all that James and John wanted was the two most prominent positions in Jesus' glorious kingdom, sitting at his right and his left. I wonder if you see the sheer pride in this request. Can you imagine asking Jesus for this? They probably figured, though, that no one else has asked you yet, so, well, we might as well do it. We want to sit at Jesus at his glory. The request shows a real lack of humility and understanding of their place in God's kingdom. Consider all the faithful saints who came before them who would reign or who could reign with Jesus in glory. Abraham, the father of the Israelites. Moses, the greatest servant leader and prophet of old. There's David, the greatest king of Israel, Aaron, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, two great prophets of God. The godly kings like Ezekiel and Hosea, godly women like Mary, Jesus' mother, faithful Ruth, courageous Deborah, the judge, and Esther who was instrumental in saving the Jews from utter destruction. And of course, there's John the Baptist. And then there's going to be many more future faithful servants like Paul, Timothy, and many, many more. James and John were saying, we want to be placed above all these saints, no matter how faithful or how godly they were. And as we think about James and John's request, we see that they actually lacked self-awareness. James and John didn't understand what they were asking for, and they didn't really understand who they were before Jesus. When we accurately see ourselves before God, when we see our sinfulness or our imperfect service our failures and faults we can't stand before God with pride we're brought low in humility acknowledging that we're totally undeserving to even be in God's holy presence or even to speak to him humility keeps us from demanding anything from God Humility produces in us great thankfulness and awe of the amazing grace and the love experience in Jesus Christ. Let's pray that God will show us who he really is and who we really, who we really are. And then let's pray that we're humbled and stand in awe that Jesus would suffer and die to save every one of us that has given us this awesome privilege to come to our God in prayer and talk to him. As we hear James and John talking with such pride, we're amazed that Jesus didn't immediately shut them down. Jesus instead heard, out, heard them out so that he could teach them a lesson about humility, not just to them, but to the rest of his disciples. Let's see what Jesus says next. Mark 10, 38 to 40 says, You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared for. Jesus responded by telling them, you haven't really thought this through. You don't know what you're asking for. He asked James and John if they could drink his cup and be baptised the way he would. Jesus refers to his suffering as a cup in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus will be baptised in suffering, pain and the wrath of God for our sins. Jesus was asking James and John if they could suffer as he would. Without thinking, of course, they say we can. 
It would have been better for them to ask Jesus what he actually meant. And, would have, and after they'd have heard him, they probably wouldn't have even wanted the horror that awaited them at the cross. I'm sure that if they have heard that, they would have backed away from this request to be at his left and right. You see, living for Jesus and leading as he led means taking our cross and following him. It means being willing to suffer and die to Jesus every day. In Luke 9.23, it says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus said that James and John would indeed be baptised and drink the cup of suffering for his sake. You know, James was beheaded by King Agrippa in AD 44, not many years after Jesus suffered, died and rose again. John was the only apostle who wasn't martyred for his faith. But tradition tells us that, and this is horrible, that John was boiled in oil, but he didn't die. So the Emperor Domitian had him exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Both the disciples are going to suffer greatly for Jesus. But Jesus told them in verse 40 that it wasn't up to him who sat at the left and the right. Only God the Father would determine and give to that who we have chosen. Verse 38 and 40, I actually think could be titled, Be careful for what you wish for. James and John comes to Jesus in pride asking for something that they'd actually got no right to ask for, something that belonged to others. They asked in pride and responded carelessly when Jesus asked them a powerful question. You see, pride blinds all of us. We all need to be humbled and given spiritual insight into who we are and what we deserve. Let's just keep reading in Mark to see what happens next. Mark 10, 41 says, When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You bet your life they did. When the other ten heard about James and John's conversation with Jesus, they were indignant and really, really angry. How could James and John ask Jesus for this? What were they thinking? I think they were upset because they missed the same opportunity. Any one of them could have done that, but James and John bet them to it. Of course they were angry. Peter and Andrew and the other disciples may have thought and asked for what they deserved for. Two prominent places, but James and John had asked first. Well, Jesus heard the other disciples' response, and he had a lesson for all of them. A lesson, actually, that we need to hear again. And the lesson is in 42 to 44. It says, Jesus called them together and said... You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. In verse 42, Jesus describes the world's leadership structure. It's the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's like a pyramid. The higher up the pyramid they are, the more you rule over other people. So the emperor lorded it over everyone, and then the governors lorded over their subjects, and so on and so on. And that's the way the world's authority structure works. But Jesus' model of leadership is very, very different from the world's model. His authority structure is an upside-down pyramid. Jesus gives us authority to serve, that we lead. Consider Moses, who was probably Israel's greatest leader besides Jesus. Moses led over 40 
years, a million people through the desert, he had their problems, and there were real mourners, weren't there, when you read Exodus. They mourned all the time. But Jesus listened to the problems, and he always came up, uh, sorry, Moses, and he always came up with solutions. He brought their needs to God in prayer. And where they sinned, he came to God on their behalf and begged God to be merciful with them. Moses was a humble, faithful servant of God and servant of his people. If Jesus calls us to a position of leadership, it's not so the people can serve us and meet our needs. Jesus calls us to leadership so that we can serve them and meet their needs. So if we truly desire to be great in the saving Jesus' eyes, then we must serve other people. And the more authority and power he gives us, the more responsibility we have to serve those under our care. Jesus didn't just talk about humble servant leadership. He perfectly modelled it for us. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be, to be served. Sorry, let me do that again. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see in this verse an amazing truth. Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, came to earth in humility to serve and save a sinful humanity. Philippians, I love Philippians, it's an incredible book. Philippians 2.68 tells us about Jesus' humility. It says, who, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, and humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to death on a cross. Jesus, the glorious Son of God. And he deserves our praise and worship, but he humbly sets aside his glory and came to earth at Christmas for every one of us. Jesus became fully human with us while he was also fully God. Jesus became a servant to save us from our sins. He humbly obeyed God the Father's will and went to the cross and suffered. I know this is what you've all heard before, but I always think it's worth repeating. It really is. He suffered so much, taking the wrath and eternal punishment from God for our sins and died in our place to save every one of us. Jesus' perfect life, suffering and death, is the ultimate example of humble service. Luke 9.23 says, Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus calls every one of us, his disciples, to a life of daily denying ourselves, denying our selfish pride and desires. He calls us to follow him in humility and obedience to God the Father, in his perfect will. Jesus calls us to humbly and obedient follow in his footsteps and serve those who God puts around us. And that starts with humbly serving our family, each other, our spouses, our children, our parents. We need to ask for wisdom, how we can point to our saviour Jesus and help others know the love and for us all to live faithfully as his disciples. We're also called to serve our church family, to work together, to sustain, to grow. Never say you're too old or you're not able. We always have the ability to pray. Let's ask the Spirit how we can humbly serve unbelievers 
our friends, our neighbours, our co-workers who don't know Jesus. As the Spirit of God leads us, let us use the authority of God that he's given us. We need to use our skills, our talents, our money that God has entrusted us with to be a blessing upon other people so that we can point to the humble servant of Jesus. And Christmas time is a perfect opportunity to, to do that. So many new people or different faces coming through that door. But it's for every one of us to, pay, to play that part, to show what a loving family we can be and how important Jesus is in our lives. Not in our lives, but for their lives as well. And what a difference he can make to everybody. Let's pray. Father, may the Spirit of God work powerfully in our hearts each day, putting pride to death in us. May we no longer think selfishly of ourselves before others, but may we, by the power of Spirit, consider other people more important than ourselves and their needs more pressing than our own. Let's use this Christmas time to really show people how much we love, how much we care. And may the Spirit of God use us to powerfully reflect the humility and the servant heart of our Saviour Jesus so that people will be drawn to him in repentance of sin, saving faith and daily obedience to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're going to stand to sing again. And we're going to sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Let's stand together. <laughs>